In the pews, uh, you will likely have noticed there may be a little extra, extra thing there, uh, this novena prayer for Eucharistic revival. Uh, so it's in the pews, and you may also notice it says, do not remove from pew. So we'd like to keep these things for the next nine weeks. And so what we're doing is, is at the end of the sermons for the next, uh, for the next nine weeks, today inclusive, is praying with these prayers. And the, uh, the prayers that we'll be offering, uh, it's a prayer of Jesus speaking to us. And then we'll all together pray the Our Father, Hail Mary, and Glory Be. But it's for us also um, that I'll be reflecting on those particular content of each of those prayers during the sermons. So for the next nine weeks, we'll be preaching specifically on Eucharistic revival, these different aspects of Eucharistic devotion and piety as the Lord Jesus invites us to come and to find rest in him. Now, we've mentioned the Eucharistic revival. It's been, you know, kind of mentioned here and there. And, and so many things, uh, you know, people are wondering, what, what's, what program are we going to roll out to have this Eucharistic revival? And there are parishes that are doing things. There, you know, there are certainly no shortage of, of fantastic books on the Blessed Sacrament. There are, you know, some great video series and individual videos that have been put out to encourage Eucharistic devotion and piety to allow this revival to take place so that more and more might come to believe in the Lord in the Eucharist, first and foremost, and then also grow and deepen and love for our Blessed Lord in the Eucharist. And while these are helpful things, merely an intellectual knowledge is not sufficient. Case in point, the gospel. The demon knows exactly who Jesus is, but it doesn't mean he follows him. And so much for us, we can know about Jesus, but if we do not encounter him in the presence of the Eucharist, if we do not encounter the man himself and allow him to call us to follow after him and to allow our hearts to be lit on fire for love of him, the Eucharistic revival is a dead letter from the start. We have lost. It's the Lord Jesus who must revive us. If I were to clock out right here and now, right here in the pulpit, I wouldn't be able to give myself CPR. Somebody else would have to do that. In the same manner, I can't just of my own free choosing revive my soul, especially Eucharistic devotion. It's the Lord's work. It's the Lord who must come to us each individually and enliven us. And for all of us, it is necessary. It is a necessary thing for us to be continually revived in the life of the church, lest our prayers grow cold and our heart grow hard. It is for us to continue to turn to our blessed Lord and to allow him to shape us and to mold us, to allow our love to be intense and burning brightly for him always. And so reflecting specifically on this first day of the Novena Prayer for Eucharistic Revival, the prayer begins with, the words of our Lord. He says to us, I no longer call you slaves, but friends. I no longer call you slaves, but friends. And this is the great goodness that the Lord God has bestowed upon us the privilege of entering into friendship with him. The people of old longed to have union with the Lord God, longed to be able to be close to him, it was only Moses who was able to see God face to face on the mountain. And it was said that when Moses died, no one, no one for, you know, no one recorded afterwards saw the Lord in the same way, able to commune face to face with God. We can think of the great prophets and the great confessors of the faith in the Old Testament and the wonders that they did in, in living their faith, many of them dying for the Lord God 
much like martyrs of the faith today. And all of these things, they did not see the Lord. They did not see him face to face. We have the opportunity to do so. He calls us not slaves, but friends. He calls us to come and to find rest with him, to come and stay with him, to speak to him, to see him face to face as you and I can see one another and to spend time with him, to stay with him, to speak to him, and to listen. Friendship offers us many things. With our friends, there's a sense of belonging, of community. There's a sense of connection and encouragement and enjoyment. Typically, we don't stay friends very long with people we don't want to be around. And so, there's a a joy that is present there. And so also, in the Lord, we have these things, a sense of connection. I would pray a sense of enjoyment, a sense of peace, a sense of being with someone who is like us and calls us to be like him. But to our friends, we also go and we ask for answers and advice. To our friends, we can go and we can display or to, you know, to, to explain situations that we find ourselves in, difficulties that we may be having with, with somebody at work or with our family or with our children, with anyone, even for our own selves. What is it that I ought to do in this situation? We can ask our friends and they will give us some feedback. And if there is anyone that we ought to truly to ask advice and answers from, it is the Lord God. Because whereas every other person may give us things that may or be more or less correct or might have some selfish, uh, some selfish aspect to it or any of these kinds of things, or they may hold back some of the truth for fear of what we might think or how we might respond, the Lord God speaks to us truth every time. And whatever it is that he tells us, it is the greatest of goods for us. It is never filled with self-interest, or rather desirous of our good and salvation. And so it is for us to turn to our Lord and to ask questions. But when we turn to the Lord to ask questions, we must also be willing to hear answers. It's not for no reason that in the, uh, in the responsorial psalm here, we have the, you know, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, because it is easy for us to harden our hearts. It is easy for us to, to go and Simply be quiet to the Lord. It's easy for us in so many things as we're busy about our days to get caught up and lose sight of him. Not to listen, not to hear, not to be attentive. Sometimes it's just because of the busyness of things. It's nothing personal, we might tell the Lord. But other times, perhaps it is. Perhaps the soul has not found that, or discovered the fact that, that the Lord is a person who is there before us in the Eucharist and that he has answers and he wants to have a conversation with us. Some have never known this. They might have heard it but have not believed it, have not lived it. And others do not listen to the voice of the Lord because of the hardened hearts, because that things have not been well, because they have not, uh, they have not followed the Lord, perhaps, and a hardness of heart have turned away either for fear or for anxiety or for disturbance. And all of these things the Lord still calls to us, and he expects an answer. He longs for an answer. All of us have the experience of losing someone on the other end of the line, on the phone, 
Just the other day, I was talking with a friend of mine who was up in the Northeast, and he was passing through the mountains, and we were having a conversation, and then the conversation died abruptly. It was very, very quiet on the other end of the phone. And so I, hello, you there? Can you hear me? Hello, you there? And then he cuts back in, and off we go again, right? All of us have that experience of, of, of an expectation of a response. Is someone listening? And so much the Lord does the same with us. He is speaking to us all through the day. And very often, if he gets no response, he is on the other end of the line asking, can you hear me? Hello, are you there? Can you hear me? It is for us to be here, able to hear the Lord, not to close our hearts off to him. It's for us to spend this time with him and then to ask him questions particularly for us to ask the most important question. A question that every single one of us can ask is, why am I here, Lord? What would you have me do? None of us is too old for that question. Sometime back in my previous assignment, I was visiting with someone who's uh, a lady who was, uh, had just celebrated her 100th birthday, and all of her friends were gone. All of her friends had gone to their earthly, to their heavenly reward, and she was left. And she, she said, Father, I don't know why I'm here. Why am I here? Did the Lord forget about me? Did, did, I, did I slip through the cracks somehow? Why am I here? And I was wrestling with this. And if a woman who is over 100 years of age can ask these questions of, of why am I here? What is it the Lord wants of me? I think all of us should. All of us can and must, because we all have a place in the body of Christ, the church. St. Paul tells us as such, all of us are members of the body of Christ. When we are baptized, we are baptized into Christ. We become part of him. We take part in his life. We are branches that are grafted onto the vine. So too with this, we also have a role in the church. St. Paul elsewhere speaks of the reality that, that there are some who are apostles, some who are teachers, some who have the gift of administration, some who have the gift of preaching. All of these various gifts have work in the life of the church. And it's for us to discern what it is that we are called to be and to do. To look and to see the proof that whenever we follow after our Lord and we ask him things that he will answer us, We can look to many individuals, but one particularly came to mind, reflecting specifically on those passages just mentioned, St. Therese of Lisieux. St. Therese, who herself was wrestling with, what does God want of me? She was already in in the Carmel. She was a cloister nun, so it seemed like most of the answers should be already given. Do that. And yet there was still a restlessness in her heart. What is it that God would have me do here? What does God want of me now? And she was wrestling with this and knowing that she had a place as a member of the body and recognizing that she didn't have these these other gifts of, of being an apostle or being a teacher or being an administrator in things. And wrestling with this, she begged our Lord, Lord, what is it you would have me be? What is my place in the church? And as she continued to pray with the scriptures, the Lord God spoke. And he spoke through the words of St. Paul in this section we're in, St. Paul is writing and reflecting that, that we can have all these spiritual gifts, but if we do not have love, we're a clashing gong, a clanging cymbal. 
We are noise, an unpleasant disruption to the beauty of what otherwise would be a fantastic opera going on. Just noise. And thus she realized she was to be love. All of these other aspects of the church were embodied in various individuals, and the place that the Lord God had for her was to be love in the heart of the church. To love intensely the Lord Jesus first and foremost, but also those around her, those with whom she would have conversation and communication. Her place was to be love. She begged our Lord to help her to understand where she was to be, and she got an answer. And all of us, whenever we go to our Lord, when we ask him questions, he will give us answers. It may not come quickly. It may not come in the way that we might expect it to come. It may be in a way that rather frustrates us, in which we didn't have an answer after all. It may be a whole variety of things. But there will be. There will be an answer that comes to us. And so this is our invitation, is to ask the Lord these things for ourselves. Again, if you are an unmarried person, you have the ability to remain an unmarried person. And as St. Paul reminds us today, to be consumed not with the things of the world or with one's spouse, but rather to be consumed with the things of the Lord. An unmarried person, an unmarried woman, man, a virgin, is able to be all Christ's, is entirely. Not concerned having to be consumed and divided by preparing and providing for so many other things and ensuring that the rest of the family is content, but rather simply to be concerned for Christ. If there are any men who are here in that situation particularly, it may be that the Lord is calling you to priesthood. It may be that the Lord has placed that seed in your heart and is waiting for it to grow and to produce fullness for the salvation of the souls. But for all of us, there is something the Lord intends. Not a single one of us has been forgotten by the Lord. None of us has slipped through the cracks somewhere or just arrived with a, a blank ticket that says we have no, we have no uh, you know, itinerary set before us. All of us have something the Lord God intends of us. For some, if we were to go and to stand before our Lord and to ask him the questions of what am I to do? What would you have me do, Jesus? What is the meaning of my life? Where do I go? Some, the answer will be the bigger thing of vocation, of discerning priesthood or religious life or married life with a particular person. And for others, specifically those who have already chosen that route, very often will be other things, perhaps a vocation within that, a calling within the call, as Mother Teresa herself experienced. Or sometimes it's just ordinary things that the Lord God wants us to tend to. Sometimes the answer to, what would you have me do, Jesus, would be, go be reconciled with the person you offended yesterday. Or go and to, to minister to those that you walked by and ignored. Go care for your family. Spend extra time. Your kids need you this week. Spend extra attention with your spouse. They've been pushing a lot lately, and they need extra, extra time and grace. It could be any of these things, but it will be something. And so this is my invitation to you. As much as I can give you homework, I'm going to give you homework. It is my hope, my expectation... I can't give you all grades, but 
It is my expectation and my hope for every one of you that you will spend an hour each week for the next nine weeks in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament in prayer. One hour in addition to Mass. I'm going to ask everybody for two hours for Jesus this week. I'll be greedy on his behalf. To spend time with the Lord. Now, there are these little passports. Some of you may have picked them up in the past few, in the last few weeks that they were out. Uh, we don't have any more, so we're going to print some more up and get them available uh, in the back. But if you have one already, or if you're interested in getting one next week, they are fantastic little things of a little pilgrimage for the soul. A little traveling around our diocese, because inside there are you know, 16 or 17 or so uh, places where perpetual adoration or adoration takes place, where there's an adoration chapel. And so in here, there are the names of all the places where it takes place and a little box where you can check it off to say, I went there and prayed before our blessed Lord. Kind of a neat little travel thing that we can do. And on the back of it, it has information on how to contact, uh, on, on how to actually get into the place, how to get to the place. So addresses and pin codes and that kind of stuff needed for chapels. And so if you want to make a, a pilgrimage, there's certainly fantastic opportunity here to go and travel around and see different churches, visit our Lord in different places, and to keep company with him, to stay with him. It's a good and holy thing. It could also just be staying before Mass or staying after Mass or stopping at a church sometime during the week, whether our Lord's you know, simply you know, reserved in the tabernacle where he's there with us. But especially to make time an hour this week, and each week in the nine weeks ahead, to spend with the person of Jesus and to speak to him and to listen to him, to stay with him. Not simply to, to fill the time with so many busy things, but really to have a conversation. Tell the Lord what's on your heart. Tell him what's been happening that week or what's coming up. Tell him what you're excited about or concerned about or fearful of. Tell him all the things you would normally tell your best friend or your spouse. Speak to him these things. But I would encourage you in the midst of all of that, especially to ask the Lord the more important question that we've reflected today. What is my place in the church? What is my place in the world? Why am I here, Lord? Jesus, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? And if we ask that question with a heart willing to listen, the Lord will speak. At some point, he will speak. He will invite us to come closer and closer and closer. And so we ask our blessed Lord to be with us, that by the Eucharist we celebrate and receive in honor and worship here in this Holy Mass, we'll be able to have the courage to follow after him. We have the courage not simply to open our hearts and to ask questions and to receive answers, but most importantly, to be willing to follow him, to say yes to whatever it is that he himself responds. And so we offer now the prayer from day one. And the Lord Jesus tells us, and he speaks to us individually. He says, I no longer call you slaves, but friends, for I've revealed to you all that the Father has said. I am the fullness of the divine communication of God's love for man and all creation. In me, there is nothing lacking. There are no sincere questions that cannot find the truth in me. I am before you in silence, expressing the entirety of divine affection to your soul. Can you not perceive it? 
I am doing something new. No longer will you be called forsaken or desolate, but rather espoused and my delight. I am God, and in me you live and move and have your being. When you consume me in the Eucharist, I choose to live and move and have my being in you. Bring to my Eucharistic heart this day your deepest longings to be understood and accepted. Within my presence, ponder the meaning of your life and who gave it to you. You came from me, through me, and for me. I am the Alpha and Omega of your entire being. I see in you profound beauty, my beauty. I value you so deeply that I tasted death to unite you entirely to my divine life. Pray that the vision of this life, this love, this beauty can be opened to the eyes of your heart so that you may recognize the real presence of my flesh and blood present before you in the Eucharist. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.